Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. So um, for those of you that um, have not been around uh, for the last few weeks, we're into week three of a series called uh, Do the Hard Things, or Doing the Hard Things, Do the Hard Things. Um, and really, it's been a great two weeks so far. I know I've enjoyed it. I've obviously got to enjoy it in Mansfield, and, and I've listened to the podcast from here as well. So I know you guys have not missed out uh, either. And it's just been really, really challenging for me. You see, w- when we're called to be Jesus followers, we are called to do, hard, do the hard things. In fact, can I say, can I be bold enough to say that whatever you do in life, if you want to be successful, sometimes you need to do the hard things. Um, if you want to succeed in your career, sometimes you just, you need to do the hard things. If you want to succeed in your marriage, you, you need to do the hard things sometimes. And it's no different when we're following Jesus. He, he's called us to, to, uh, to walk a narrow path rather than a wide path. And so it does come uh, with a price, but, but God does also promise that he's going to be faithful, that he's going to reward us. And we'll be talking a little bit uh, about that today. So my title for today is out to impress, out to impress. I think we've probably all maybe seen people, maybe even today, maybe you are that person who's out to impress for whatever reason it may be. I know some of you guys have maybe been pushing weights all winter, um, for, you know, in the gym and, and the first warm day you get, you know, you're going to get those guns out, Right. <laughs> You're going you're gonna to wear the tight shirts. You're going to get the tank tops out. And I'm not looking at anyone, but you're, gonna, you're out to impress because you've covered it up in that, you know, that, that, that jersey and that jacket. All You're out to impress now. It's summertime. You know, I'm from warmer climates. And, and forgive me if, if what, you guys, anyone own a convertible here, like a, a soft top? No, nobody. Okay, well, I just don't, and I don't get it in England, really, I don't. Uh, in fact, I get it even less in Scotland where we used to live, but I just don't get it. But there's always that person who, who has bought a convertible and has, has invested this money to have this, and then you live in England, right? And so you always get that person when the first uh, sun comes out. You know, it's five degrees, but, they, but it's sunny. And they put the top down and, and they've got their shades on and they're driving down the road. They're out to impress. You know, we, if you're on social media, whatever it is, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, I don't know. There's always people that are out to impress, aren't there? You know, poses out there, some intentional, some unintentional. Um, and it doesn't always have to be a negative thing, does it? In fact, sometimes when, you know, you may be in a new job. I know I've been there. You know, you're getting to a new job. People don't know you so well. It's your first day. You're making sure you're there on time. In fact, you're probably there early. Um, you're maybe working through your lunch hour at the beginning because you want to impress. You're, you're staying late. You're doing whatever. You're serving coffees. You're getting coffees for the... You're out to impress because you want to impress your new boss or your, your new colleagues, whatever it is. You see, it, it's something we all do at times, and, and uh, we all are probably guilty of that, but sometimes it's a fairly normal thing to do. But oftentimes we come to, to church, and, and that kind of carries into church, that we come to church, and we're at church, and we're, you know, we're out to impress. Historically, in, in you know, days gone by, it was probably in your Sunday best, you know, 
hats and ties and, and, and you know, you're out to impress. We don't do that so much anymore. Um, but it may be just through the way you are around church. Maybe everyone else is, 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 is holding up hands. So you're like, well, I guess I need to too. And, and, and you know, you, you're raising your hands, which is a good thing. But we even maybe serve. We're serving to impress people. Maybe Christine, Christine's here today. She's usually in Mansfield. Oh, I'm out to impress Christine. So you guys are going over and beyond, you know, with your service and, and you want to, you want to impress your leaders. Um, and, and it's easily done, isn't it? In very different ways. And we even got the lingo sometimes, you know, Josh's mate through the week, but on a Sunday, brother Josh, you know. <laughs> Because I'm super, super spiritual. You know, we can be out to impress our leaders. But can I say, equally so, leaders can be out to impress you. You know, that's the same for us on the stage here. Sometimes I can, you know, it's so easy for me if I don't check my spirit to be up here just trying to impress you guys. We're out to impress. And listen what Matthew 5 verse 16 says. It says this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So it actually talks about our good deeds shining before men. And so it's easy maybe to take that and think, well, you know, God doesn't want our light to be hidden. Uh, in fact, he says a city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. So, so it's okay just to, you know, shine out how great we are, how good our deeds are. But today we want to look at Matthew chapter 6 and, and just look at a different perspective on this. Uh, Matthew 6 verse 1 is where we're going to start and, and that's going to come up on the screen. And it says this, it says, watch out, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others for you will lose the reward from your father in heaven. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. The message version actually says it really well, and that's just going to come up on your screen as well. Be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance of it. It might be good theater, but God who made you won't be applauding. Doesn't it almost seem from a casual glance that those scriptures are contradicting each other? Let your light shine, but then do things in secret. Which is it? Can we, can we do things, um, you know, for, for everyone to see our, 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 our goodness? Or should we be doing it quietly or privately? But really the, the, the reason is they don't actually contradict each other at all. Um, what the, the, the point of, of uh, Matthew 6 verse 1 is this, that God wants to see, or Jesus is speaking into the motive, the motive of why we do things. You see, it's so important. Yes, we should uh, let, out, let the, the light of God shine out through us, but it's about our motive. Are we doing things to be admired by others, or are we just doing themselves, them for God? You see, there is always that part of our life will be public, and, and that's fairly normal. Um, that's normal. But God wants to address our motive, and he does so in these verses in Matthew chapter 6. You see, in particular, um, he, he talks about three different areas. If you know the, 
the, the, the scripture well, and we'll, we'll look at it in a moment, it really speaks into three different things, which are all really things that were done out of devotion at the time towards God. So he's speaking to Jewish people, and the three things that they most did to show their devotion to God was to give, so give to the poor, charity, um, it was to pray, and it was to fast. And it's interesting, those things are, are very common. Even in, in religions like Islam today, those are very, very central to what they do. They, they do all three of those things. And so Jesus really, in this passage, he, he addresses all three of these things. You know what? We are to do all of these things. It's not something that's left to, to the Jewish people of that day. In fact, he very directly says that we will continue to do it. He doesn't say if you do it. He says when you do it. So there's an expectation that we are to continue to give. Give to those that are in need. There's an expectation that we continue to pray, that we are to fast. And it's doing the hard things, isn't it? It's doing the hard things. Because these are not easy things to do. What does giving do? It goes against the grain, doesn't it? We're so easily selfish, and so when we give, and can I just say when we're giving, this is not particularly speaking into giving tithes to God. It's, it, it's really talking about giving to those in need, in other words, charity, to, to giving to somebody who maybe is, is short of money on any given month, and they don't have food, and, and you're going to give something to them to help them through. So this, this part, the giving, really goes against the grain of our selfishness and our nature. It's hard to do sometimes. Prayer, it really goes against our, our pride, doesn't it? Because so often we want to think that everything we've got is not from God. It's through our hard work because we work hard, we're intelligent, we're amazing, and therefore we deserve it. So we come, in, we come with thanks in our prayer to God, and we also come acknowledging our weakness and saying, God, I need your help. And so prayer goes against our pride, and, and fasting really goes against the grain because it's, it's going against our desires and our fleshliness, isn't it? You know, the, the, the hunger in our belly and whatever else it may be that you choose to fast. And so we're going to talk a little bit into these things, but I want to focus just today not only on doing these hard things, but we want to just concentrate on the motives for doing these. And I believe God is going to, to speak uh, to us this morning. You know, uh, the first thing that we want to talk about is giving. And I'm going to read uh, Matthew 6, 2 through 4, which is going to come up on the screen. And it says this. It says, when you give, in other words, not if you give, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and the streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to somebody in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. You know, we live in a world where, you know, PR, public relations is all, um, you know, pub healthy publicity is all a big thing, isn't it? Uh, for politicians, it's spin, you know, trying to spin things so that they look good. Um, oftentimes giving has fringe benefits, doesn't it? We're giving to, to charity and we get our name maybe on a plaque uh, to recognize the fact uh, that we have given. Uh, 
Bill Gates, apparently, you know, I don't know, if he, is he still the richest man in the world? He's up there anyway. Um, last year, he made a one-off donation of $4.6 billion to charity. So one man, $4.6 billion, which is apparently 5% of his net worth uh, that he just gave in a one lump sum. So imagine, do the maths, you know, do the maths anyway. $4.6 billion. But, but how many of you guys know that that is something that, that as much as he gives it, he gets all the plaudits for as well, doesn't he? For a guy who's got all the money in the world, that's a great investment because he's given it, he's getting the recognition, he's making a name for himself, he's going to live beyond, you know, his, his influence is going to live beyond that. And so for guys like Bill Gates, and I'm not taken away from what, that's amazing, um, that he does that. But so often it's easy to, to be giving for what we can get back, for the publicity we're going to get, because we're going to look good when we give. Uh, but obviously the Bible and Jesus in this teaching says it so differently. And I want to just talk under, under the topic of giving just for three things that I believe if when we, when we give privately, when we give secretly, that it, that it helps us with. And the first thing is this, it tests our motives. When we give privately or secretly, when we don't make a fanfare about it, it tests our motives. You see, the, the illustration used in the, in the verses that we read was don't let one hand know what the other's doing. And really, that, that's just a hyperbole or exaggeration, isn't it? But the, it's an illustration of the point that we, we're meant to be giving without caring about other people watching us, without caring about what other people think or see. And can I just say, I mean, I was talking to Eleni about this through the week as well, and, and I think it's worth a try because it tests your motives. Some, some of us, if you like giving, try giving to somebody without them even knowing that you're giving and just see, you know, see, see how you feel about it because the reality is if you give and you've got the surge to actually tell them, actually, you know what, Josh... It was me that, that did that for you. Um, it's actually testing our motives. Are we actually interested in the person's good? Are we actually giving for the person's good? Or are we just wanting to build our reputation? Stephen is the nicest guy. Oh, he's so generous. It feels good to hear. Even if it's not true. I have to say it because no one else is saying it. Stephen. <laughs> you see, when we give in secretly give secretly or privately, it tests our motives. You see, what audience are you giving to? Are you giving to, to people or are you really giving because God wants you to do it? Can I just say this is again, this is really talking about charitable giving, not, not, you know, not tithes or church tithes, things like that. It's, it's just, it's blessing people. It's being generous. We are to be generous and give to the poor. The other thing it does is this. It means that God gets the glory. See, giving privately means that God gets the glory. So if we've got a need and, and somebody lavishes us and blesses us and says, I'm, Stephen, I'm giving you this to meet this need. It's so easy for us to, to focus on, on the person. And I can think of examples through, throughout my life where, where, where people have, been, uh, have, have blessed me in ways that, that, that are amazing. And I always, it's so easy to focus on the person. But when it's anonymous, we say, God, thank you, Lord, because you've provided, Lord. You're the one that's given it to me. 
So it does mean that God gets the glory when we give in private. But it also means this. It means that it leaves our reward to God. And this is the part that is probably the best part of all. You see, when we give to people, and it's for that our motive is to get their praise, we're getting our reward, aren't we? We're getting our reward from that. And the Bible says that we won't get any other reward. That's our reward. Whereas when we give to God, wow, he's the one that rewards us so much more than we can ever get from people. And we don't do it for the reward. But the Bible promises he will reward you. The Bible talks about sowing and reaping. It's a principle that's in the Bible. God is the one that's going to do the rewarding. No respect, disrespect to, to all of you, but you know what? I'd, I'd far rather get rewarded by God than by you guys. Yeah. I'd far, far rather get the plaudits from God uh, than from you guys, as much as we love you. You see, we love because God first loved us. We give because God first gave to us. And so it's out of that response. But God is the one that will reward us. And so giving is the first thing that we're encouraged to do. Can I just say, if you give and people know about it and it's public giving, there's not a problem with that. The Bible's very clear on that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that sometimes if we give privately, it's a good test for our motives. And when we are giving publicly, we need to make sure we're not giving for the human plaudits than we are for God's plaudits. Because the the nature of of life is that people will sometimes know. And public giving, if it's given for the glory of God, if it's given to God, it will be pleasing to God as well. Are you with me? Yeah? You're with me. The second thing uh, is prayer. Verse 5, we're going to read that. Uh, When you pray... Again, you can see the common theme. There's almost a a similarity in in all three of these parts of Scripture. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, this is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Now, I hope that on Tuesday we're not going to get the lowest ever attendance in Tuesday morning prayer. Because Stephen said, just go away and and pray in private. Close your door. Don't come. I'm not saying that. You see, public prayer, again, just like public giving, has great value. But when we're doing it as a a parade or as a show, when we're doing it uh, out of trying to impress people, well, that's all our reward we'll get. That's what it says. And and so it's very... Uh, it's very clear. There's a biblical pattern of people gathering together for prayer, but also there's a biblical pattern of going away in the quiet place and praying before God. And here's the thing. If, if your public prayer outweighs your personal prayer, maybe you need to readdress the motives because it's the same God. We should be praying in, in public like we're praying in private. It should be driven from our private prayer life. Why do we pray? 
How do we pray? You see, in this uh, verse, Jesus was, was really speaking into the religious leaders of the day who, who there was always a, a, an hour of prayer during the day. And what they would do is they would make sure that they were in the most prominent place so that they could be noticed in the prayer hour so that people would see right on the street corner that they were praying so that they would get the credit for that. And there's three things under, this, under prayer as well that I just want to focus on uh, this morning. The first thing is this, that praying privately keeps it simple. You see, uh, in the same passage of Scripture, it's not going to come up on the screen, but it says when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. You see, sometimes when we pray in public, we can overcomplicate prayer. Because we feel like it needs to like all add up and make sense, and we need to pray like an introduction and a body and a conclusion. And if we make any theological inadequate, you know, inadequate statements in our prayer, there's somebody looking at us and they say, "That's not true." You know, that's not. No, no, no. The thing is, when we pray in private, we don't care about all of that. It's just about communication between between God, our Maker, and ourselves. And so, when you pray in private, it just is simple. We don't have to impress anyone. We don't have to impress God. We, we, just, we just say it like it is, keeping it simple. You know, I have to be careful now. My kids are getting older. I'm using them as illustrations in the service. But, uh, you know, I think I'll be okay on this with Lucas. And we were having a conversation this week about prayer, funnily enough, and it wasn't. I wasn't kind of gearing. I was like, I'm looking for a sermon illustration. I'm going to talk to Lucas about prayer, I promise. But we were just, pray- we were just- he was praying for his food before his meal. And, and, and we always do that. And, and so Lucas is now in the rhythm of just like saying his prayer and just saying it so quickly. So he says, dear Jesus, thank you for this food. Uh, bless you to our bodies in Jesus' name, amen. Because he just wants to eat, right? Um, and, and so he, he'd do this all the time. And so I said, Lucas, just hold, hold on, hold on a moment. Like, it's not about just, because he says the same prayer every, every meal. Jesus, thank you for food. Uh, bless you to our bodies in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, and, and, and so I'm like, whoa, 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 Lucas, just have a conversation. Just have a conversation with God. And actually, the first day, um, Alini's my witness, he was in tears. He was like, oh, daddy, I just don't know how to pray. I'm just, I don't, and I felt, well, I shouldn't have even said it. But, but the next day, he came out with this beautiful prayer of just thanksgiving to God. He's like, God, you've blessed us so much. I forget the exact words, but my heart as a father was just amazed because it wasn't about the ritual. It wasn't about words that he just said without thinking. Suddenly it was from his heart. It was just him having a conversation. And I said to him, Lucas, if there's one thing you're good at, it's talking. Just because he loves talking. I said, just talk to Jesus. Just talk to him in a normal conversation. Just keep it simple. And he did. And, and now for the past few days, it's just been these beautiful prayers just pouring out of this little boy. You know, when we pray to God and we don't care about what other people think and it's in a private, it keeps our prayer so simple. And Jesus obviously gives us a model prayer, which is in this section in Matthew, 5, Matthew 6. And, you know, I would encourage you to, to read through that. It's, you know, what we know is the Lord's Prayer, or you may know it as the Disciples' Prayer, um, this, this model prayer. And, you know, time doesn't allow us today to go into the detail of that. But God basically, Jesus is basically saying, 
Prayer doesn't have to be simple, have to be difficult. It's just simple. Just pray like this. The other thing that um, prayer does, and I touched on it already, when we pray privately, it overflows into public prayer. You see, we've been discussing the importance of prayer in our, in our leadership meetings. And, you know, it's our desire that we would really uh, see Arena Church across both campuses move to a new level yeah. on just engaging in prayer. Because I believe this is the key to us, us just breaking through to the next stage. And, and Christian's the one that really has been pushing this. And here's the thing. That when your private prayer life is, is where it needs to be, and I include myself in that, when we pray privately, there will be an overflow into the, the, the meetings on a Sunday, into the first Tuesdays, into our prayer gatherings on Tuesday morning, into our pre-service prayer, into your small groups, wherever it may be. You see, when your private prayer life is on fire, it can't help but overflow into all the other prayer meetings. As powerful as it is when we meet together, unless you're praying privately, unless you're engaging, unless that's on fire, you're just going to come here and it's going to be more of the same. So prayer overflows when we pray privately. But also, again, it's the same on each of the points. Praying privately leaves our reward to God. You know, we pray those prayers and try, if we're trying to impress people, God says, well, that's, you've received your reward. You've impressed them. Stephen, they gave you 10 out of 10 for your prayer. You've got your reward. Why do I need to reward you anymore? But God's the one we need to impress. You know, if we're out to impress, we need to be out to impress our King, our Lord, who's the one that answers. You know what? Again, I want to receive my reward from God, not from you guys. He's the one that can really reward us. Matthew 7 verse 8, For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. The reward for your prayer is best left to God. Not to impress people. And lastly, we're not far from my time being up already, but I just want to talk about fasting as well. Giving, prayer, fasting. Verse 16 says this, when you fast, again, the expectation is that we will. Don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. Will reward you. You see this word reward coming through. It's interesting that uh, Matthew who wrote the, the, you know, the book of Matthew, um, he was a tax collector. And so he was a financially minded guy and, and he interestingly more in, in Matthew than in any of the other Gospels combined. He uses this word reward. So he's especially conscious of the fact that our God is a rewarding God. Our God is a God that loves to bless. Our God is a giving God. And when we're faithful to Him, He will reward us. And I want to just talk about fasting. For those of you that don't know, fasting is, is really taking some time out to to. The biblical model is to, to give up food for a period of time. And maybe you know that 
you know, from outside the church, if you don't, uh, then that's what, that's what we do. The biblical model is give up food for a period of time so that you can focus on God, so that you can focus on prayer and reading the God word, spending time with God. And that's something that we still do, something that we still practice here in Arena Church, and, and you should ideally be doing it in your own life. Why? Because there is a blessing with it. And it's out of devotion to God. And, and the three things really that, that fasting really kind of impacts is, is this. Firstly, it disciplines the flesh. So it disciplines the fact that we want to eat. For me, it's, 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 it's peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter cups. That's my number one, if you ever want to give me a gift, right? When we, when we um, well, I've, I've actually lost my train of thought. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter. Let's just finish at that. <laughs> it disciplines the flesh. You know what? It comes to that point where you say, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm holding back because it's not my flesh that dictates to me what I am to do. It's me that dictates to the flesh. I am con- in control of my mind. I am in control of what I do, that I'm not a victim of what my flesh tells me. And so there's a power in that. Can I just say, if you're fasting privately, there's even more power in it because you're not doing it for the credit of others. I remember a situation in Brazil when we lived there and there was a friend of mine who, who told me about this guy in his church who, who fasted. He did water for 40 days, like only water for 40 days. And I, I don't know if I could ever do that, but God bless him for it. But he said at the end of the 40 days, the guy could, he couldn't make it into the church. So he had to have two guys, like one on each side, like actually pull, like, and then they got him into church and he sat down on the front row or wherever he was. I don't know if it was the front row, but he, he could hardly walk into church. And guys, I'm not knocking it. God bless that guy. But, but I just know one thing, that when we do it and, and there's notification so that everyone can see what we're doing, there's so easily a temptation to think, man, I am super spiritual because I've done it for 40 days. You may have done it for 30, Josh. I've done it for 40 but that's not the point of fasting. The point is we do it for God. So we, 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 we look like we always look. We don't announce it, but there's a power when we do that because we're not doing it for any personal gain at all. Now, the biblical model is food, but it may be for you different things that you choose to fast. So you may choose to fast media or things that really just pull you away you know, from God and it'll give you opportunity to, to, to maybe spend more time with God. Uh, through that. But the other thing is fasting really does bring us closer to God. You see, when we use the time to get closer to God, when we spend that time with Him, there's a connection that happens when we interact with God on a one-to-one basis and when we fast. There's a powerful, powerful connection with our Maker. The famous preacher, evangelist, author, um, Oswald Chambers said this, my worth to God in public is what I am. In private, you see, it's uh, it's something we do before God, not before man. We do it twice a year in Arena Church. Can I just say, I, I hope you know we don't police it, but um, I hope you guys do that, you know, more more regularly than just when we do it as a church. I'd encourage you to do it in your personal life, to be fasting and and just connecting with God, not every six months, but how ever often you feel you need to to fast. And again. 
when we do it privately, when we do it not for the recognition of man, it leaves our reward to God. What are the rewards of fasting? I've said, you know, intimacy with God. But uh, the Bible also talks about breakthrough that happens when we not only pray, but we fast. It talks about chains being broken, situations that were not uh, able to be broken, even just through prayer we see in the Bible, but through prayer and fasting. Because there's a breakthrough that happens. The chains of the enemy are broken. The God who rewards us will see breakthrough in our lives. I believe breakthrough of blessing, breakthrough of areas in your life that you just need freedom. That fasting can be a, a, a part of getting to that point of seeing breakthrough like we've never seen it before yeah. in your life. You know what? I don't even care about arena right now because if you guys are on fire for God, arena will be on fire for God. Yeah? Just focus on yourselves. Get right with God. Get excited. Get, you know, do these things in private. And I tell you what, we will see the results. We will see the reward. I'm going to just read one more scripture as we, as we close here. It's, it's Hebrews 11. Verse 6, again, I want to challenge you with the title of this message. Who are you out to impress? Who are you out to impress? Hebrews eleven six says this, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to impress God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists. And again, here's that word, that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You see, our God is a God who rewards us. Sometimes we have to do the hard things. But when we discipline ourselves with these devotional things that we do, giving, praying, fasting, there will be a reward from God himself. I'm going to ask the band to just come up, back up to the stage as we finish off. And just one thought as I, as I close here today. The... There's another word in, in the, the verses we read which comes up in all three of those situations and it's the word hypocrite. Now you guys go with me here. You're like thinking this is not a way to end your message, Stephen. But it's interesting. The word hypocrite actually when you look at the original meaning of the word re really means this. It means stage actor. So in English, we've made hypocrite into a word that we use in various contexts and, and we've made it a little different to what the original root of the word is. But basically what those, those verses are saying is they're saying, don't be a stage actor. You see, it's the original thought of, is, is of somebody putting on an act, somebody being something to others, but then behind doors being something totally different. Somebody role-playing, I guess you could say playing a role, motivated by the applause of other people that live, that their reward would be the applause of others. But you know what? We're called not to be a stage actor. We're called to live our lives for the applause of God. Live our lives for the applause of the, the Most High God and, and Him only. You see, His applause is is so much more worth it than the applause of man. I'm going to read the message verse again. It says this, Be especially careful when you're trying to be good so that you don't make a performance out of it. It might be good theater, but the God who made you won't be applauding.
Can you stand to your feet?